listening to This Week in Health Innovation on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media, the show's producer and your co-host. Today's episode is sponsored by Health Innovation Media. Our guest today is Mark Pugnanita, co-founder and chief executive officer at Phenomics. Phenomics is transforming global healthcare delivery by leveraging the full potential of MRI. By promoting an upstream quantitative imaging solution, Phenomics technology can monitor and measure organ-specific, regional, or whole-body phenotypic changes to an individual's body over time. In the seat today is my colleague and co-host, Douglas Goldstein, also known as the E-Futurist. And it's been a while since our last collaboration, but Doug, welcome back and over to you. Let's hear from Mark and learn more about phenomics capabilities to serve in the early diagnosis of the the coronavirus pandemic. Greg, it's great to be here. Mark, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? I'm good. So, Mark, can you tell us about uh, Phenomics and your digital health MRI personalized medicine solution? So, we've been we've been talking. I've been tracking your company for a couple of years, and I just uh, woke up over the weekend and said, I need to talk to Mark about whether he can identify coronavirus before other tests because in the United States we lag in testing for coronavirus. We don't have test kits and we don't have drive-through testing like they do in South Korea. So can you describe your company as a starting point, and then we'll dig into how your technology can potentially leverage existing infrastructure of hospitals across the United States? Sure. So at Phenomics, we have a background in the history of running global multicenter clinical trials all around the world using all sorts of imaging modalities, so MRI, CT, X-ray, ultrasound, uh, et cetera. And what we've done specifically for Phenomics uh, has created a a personalized digital physical exam where we are using MRI uh, as a non-invasive, no radiation, no contrast agent modality to scan multiple organs and tissues from a whole body component. The idea is to intercept or track disease, screen and monitor over time. But as you're talking about with the uh, coronavirus, there's a lot of new developments using imaging. Uh, They have tried ultrasound and x-ray, but what is emerging is the use of CT scanning, uh, predominantly out of China. And we are very rapidly working on that type of solution. So, oh my gosh, we have CT scanners across every health system and a lot of medical offices in the country, right? USA, at least. Yes. Tell us about the protocol you have to identify coronavirus and how, it, how the protocol being used in China is different and may not work as a protocol in the United States. So the image acquisition protocol, the, the use of the CT scanner by itself, is very similar. We are looking to enhance it a little more make it faster, make it a little bit more efficient, because with the numbers that are, have been seen in China and other countries that are emerging very rapidly, Italy and Japan, depending on how overwhelmed we get here, we certainly don't want to use a, a longer, more traditional clinical CT protocol. So we are certainly evaluating, let's say, the number of slices or the thickness of slices uh, and how best to apply that. But what gets more to your point, uh, what's been developed in China via large companies or the academics, it it is from Chinese population data and for the Chinese population data. So you cannot take that system and apply it to Caucasian or Indian, Middle Eastern, African. 
because there could be different physiological, genetic, other components. So we are actively developing in Korea and in Thailand more population-specific data sets and then the AI model, which will identify the features in the lung, how difficult the lung tissue is, is being compromised. That's the goal that we look to achieve here in the U.S. So if we can make a U.S. population-specific model and implement it faster and more efficient, then hopefully it will be something that could be done very similar to the way you reference a drive-through cheek swab. This is something where the CT scan can give a result much quicker than the projected, I think, uh, 24-hour turnaround time now if you were to do a cheek swab and send it out to Quest or LabCorp or have government or hospital lab. That's that's really exciting, and it allows us to use the tools that we have at hand uh, across health systems in the country. So um, give us a, a little more detail about uh, the history of your company and and the calls that you bring to helping solve, uh, helping America solve this problem of more rapid diagnosis and treatment of coronavirus. So it begins with our goal for trying to use imaging as a screening tool. When we've seen all of these different techniques and technologies in the clinical trial realm, this is very quantitative. So not just the radiologist's expert and expertise identifying the anatomy or the disease, but we're making measurements. We're actually saying, for example, if uh, you're looking at two Picassos, one is true and one is a reproduction, the radiologist is like the art historian and expert who can tell immediately because of their training and and experience, what the difference is. We're using imaging, whether it's CT, MRI, X-ray, ultrasound, to break that painting down and say, well, this paint is only five years old, not 500, or this is water-based paint instead of oil-based paint. So that kind of concept of let's break these images down to the data and the components that create the image is the reason that we want to use these technologies to solve many different problems, whether it's coronavirus, whether it is diabetes, fatty liver disease, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's. We just happen to have this current, uh, current uh, pandemic that's happening, and we wanted to, as rapidly as possible, apply our knowledge and capabilities for this cause. That's great. And so we've... Uh... You know, we started some introductions to leading health systems in the country. So why don't we break down what you need in the United States, like right now, as soon as possible. So describe the kind of health system environment and what would be the first steps that you would take with, with, let's say we have four health systems lined up in the United States to move on your protocol ASAP. So we are able to reproduce, recreate all of the IRB submissions, the clinical trial protocol, the image acquisition protocol, all of the documentation, data sharing agreements that we're utilizing abroad overseas, and certainly replicate them, customize them to whichever systems have uh, their differences here in the U.S. But really what we're looking for is who is, A, interested in the collaboration and will have the most cleanest data not necessarily a hospital that would like to do the research, but maybe they get one or two or three cases that does not allow us to get a good translation to U.S. population data. So certainly anywhere where there's a hotspot and potentially in the future, if they were to become overrun, could use the automation that we can provide via an AI model. 
If it's a rural hospital that sees, you know, five cases a day, they could certainly have the radiologist go through and review the CT scans. But we want to help decrease the amount of variability from human to human and to provide the updates and rapid automation to decrease the human effort. So you need hospitals that have either uh, live patients or patients of deceased that have coronavirus, correct? That's step one. Yes. You need someone with, when you say data, you mean they have the scans of a patient who's been infected with the disease, the virus. Yes. And we're looking to combine data sets as well. So that would be clinical laboratory data, the RT-PCR test, the swab. We're also looking to incorporate chest x-ray and the CT scans so that we don't just become biased on, okay, it only has to be CT. Because by using a variety of different measurements, perhaps we find a new signal that's different here than somewhere else. Well, then ideally you'd almost have to find patients that, I have a scan of a patient who wasn't, I mean, one of the issues that as a layperson I'm reading about is that people are infected, but they're not showing any symptoms. That could be going on for two days, three days. So ideally you'd need some scans of those people when they were asymptomatic also to really train the data set. Is that fair? So we would start with people who are confirmed positive via the current testing. And if it's a small sample of, let's say, 50, we can begin with that validated model. As we expand, then what we can start to do for people who are asymptomatic or have the mild symptoms is begin to scan them before they get the PCR test because of that time lag or because, as we're seeing in the U.S., currently limitation in in number of tests. But what they've done in China, for example, is they actually test people with the CT scanners first. In some situations, over 200 scans per machine per day. That's approximately six to seven minutes per scan. And if your scan is positive, then and only then do you move forward to be swabbed for the confirmatory PCR test. So if you're positive, then you would move on. If you're negative, then you do not need to move on. And doing the the CT scan helps isolate and keep people in, let's say, the scanning facility and separate them from, let's say, uh, going to the urgent care or emergency room. We can identify and triage it earlier. So the CT scan in China is being used as the first line of testing? Yes. Interesting. So... Back to what what you need ideally in the United States, you need three or four health systems that have a fair number of coronavirus patient CT scans or systems that are about to, if they're in a hotspot like Seattle or New York City or whatever that are going to have. So I know of a hospital and, you know, right outside of New York City that had their first case diagnosed last Thursday. So they have three or four more cases than that's a starting point, right? If you get the scans of those cases, then you're getting data that your AI engine and the protocol can learn from, right? Yes, and correct. In a, in a, in a location that has a hotspot, we could very rapidly retrain and develop the model there. Again, let's say it's 50. And then they could benefit from the immediate turning on the switch and utilizing that engine to help them do it more efficiently. And then we could replicate that into a location where we don't have to retrain and start still U.S. population, probably similar uh, uh, ethnic diversity, 
uh, and then start to use it so that when they start to get overwhelmed, we don't have to go backwards and retrain. We can develop and retrain this model in a matter of a few days under a week. And as an example, the multiple studies that have been published out of uh, uh, China have shown the CT scan sensitivity is something around 97%. So that means if your CT scan is negative, the chance of you having COVID-19 is exceedingly low, where they won't even swab you if your CT scan is negative. So would that be a similar protocol that we'd implement in the United States? I mean, we have a, I guess we have a scarcity of testing kits, although I did talk to a company today that indicates that they're going to be mass producing a at-home spit in a jar, spit on a piece of paper, and you'll have the results back within, you know, 10 minutes. So there's hope on the horizon how fast they can, uh, the science has been perfected, how fast they can get it produced and distributed. That's a separate issue. But right now we, uh, we're, we're, we're sitting in this country arguing over whether there should be a copay <laughs> for someone to get a test to see how effective they are. So if we can utilize this existing infrastructure we have, that'd be a big breakthrough. Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. And um, being able to get started with the resources available is a distinct difference. Uh, similarly, with, our, with uh, some of the other partners we have in Korea, um, we will have the availability, availability to bring in some existing RT-PCR testing kits and utilize them in the U.S., whether that's uh, critical care management, the hospital, the laboratory, and possibly even help provide that and do that alongside the CT scanning. So we would be looking at other potential models to help enhance beyond just the CT scan. Can we help with the PCR test itself? So that's interesting. So I think for the audience, if you share a little bit about your international work, so you're really at the um, forefront of an international collaboration, what I would call rapid response and preparedness for something like this. Now, as a company, you've been around for a number of years, but share a little bit about the number of countries you've been working with, because I think that would be important in context of you know, the more data AI has, the better off it is. And if we're understanding the differences in physiologies, men, it's not just race, right? It's, it's height. It's men, women. Uh, there's many things that uh, train these protocols to be smarter and more effective in identifying conditions, diseases on a preventative or uh, a treatment-oriented basis. So uh, share a little bit about the work you've been doing internationally. Absolutely. And I certainly uh, like and appreciate the way you stated it. For me, I just thoroughly, personally enjoy the coalition building. And some of the difference is while here in the U.S. for the vision of a digital physical exam being uh, preventative even or measuring and monitoring, not just uh, sick care, so to speak, it is a little bit early adoption and looking at multiple organs and tissues at the same time because current standard of care you have a heart problem, you go see your cardiologist. You have a liver problem, you go, you go see your liver doctor. We don't currently scan and look at both of those things at the same time, nor interpret them. So the public health systems in Asia, Middle East, Europe have actually been very receptive and very interested in what we're doing, either on an individual organ, tissue, or disease condition basis. So for example, we automate, we have a fully automated brain scan and analysis, and that is currently being planned for use for national dementia screening uh, in Asia. 
can they use this MRI scan, hopefully countrywide, to decide where and how they deploy resources and track how dementia is progressing in pretty much everywhere's aging population. But to really align that to our topic of discussion today with COVID-19, we do have multiple installations and multiple collaborations so that the opportunity or the ability to switch to a different camera, a different image, the MRI scanner as a camera, the CT scanner as a camera, the ultrasound even, uh, we're looking at can we go from what does the population look like in Korea, Singapore, Japan, Thailand, India, the Middle East, UAE, Saudi, to multiple countries in the EU. Because here in the U.S., when we say diversity and our population is made up of 5% Asian, well, actually in Asia, <laughs> there are X number of countries and each of them have much more subtle differences that need to be explored. So you are spot on with the more data and also the cleaner data, the better. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to This Week in Health Innovation. Today's episode is sponsored by Health Innovation Media. So let's, uh, let's uh, come back. Let me ask a specific question about is there anything like, uh, you know, I just heard about a company in Atlanta that got fast tracks on antiviral clinical research. So the FDA has an emergency use authorization that could equivalently fast track an IRB. Uh, is there anything equivalent in the space you're working in for that kind of uh, approval to fast track the IRB stuff? I haven't yet received an update from my team about COVID-19 related to what we're doing for imaging, but certainly plenty of the FDA developments of software as a medical device, the use of AI and other components are rapidly developing. I think this, similar to in China, use of CT for uh, possibly primarily screening for COVID-19 would be an excellent example to say and to see how could we utilize this on a broader scope either enhancing the, the information for the radiologist or possibly providing it alongside them much more automated, let's say in regions where we don't have enough radiologist coverage. Hopefully telemedicine will, will help with that, but we are primarily going to start with the collaborative effort within a hospital system, within an academic medical center, uh, doing the, the ground truth, the validations first. You know, we got about uh, six minutes to go. Let's recap what you need from health systems their tech, their data, and what's the value proposition for the first five or six health systems to step up and say, hey, yes, let's build this protocol so it works for all Americans? So we're looking to partner up with academic or community hospitals that be seeing an influx of confirmed COVID-19 cases and have the ability from a technology perspective to implement some standardized CT scanning protocols so that we can validate the technology, the models, similar to what has been published, peer-reviewed and validated in China. Once we have that, I think the real value becomes first validating and retraining existing models, but then enabling them to use it as the numbers of confirmed COVID cases begin to overwhelm the system and rapidly increase. If we can expand it from those early sites to much broader scope across the nation, where maybe a smaller community hospital doesn't have the resources to develop or work on this type of technology, then we have a very scalable, whether it's cloud-based or on-premise automated system that will enable 
pretty much any scanner anywhere to utilize what we're working on. Mark, so let's recap in the time we have left why hospitals need this and, you know, what's the most optimistic, you know, steps for four or five places with cases, and then just run us through the, the roadmap on how fast your protocol could be made available across the country with very proactive leadership from uh, our country's hospitals. If we were able to collaborate with leading hospitals, receive the largest number of early cases confirmed for COVID-19, and have the technical scanning resources of a CT scanner to acquire the images, we would be able to rapidly build and retrain the model for the U.S. population within approximately about a week. From there, the value immediately to those facilities would be able to utilize this automation to do the triage and to provide the results to their clinicians. From there, I think we would very easily be able to scale depending on access to cloud based infrastructure or on-premise servers, hospitals in rural regions that do not have these expertise or capabilities, and allow them to much faster and much more efficiently triage and screen for the COVID-19 condition. That, that would be awesome. Let's just recap. Now, actually, the, the knowledge of the Asian physiology related to what Alibaba and some of it, what's going on in China and Korea is going to be useful here because we have a melting pot of humans here, but we need to build the data set on the Caucasian population, American Indian, African American, just so that we can deal with the diversity of this. So help me understand a little bit about building out this diversity model, and then we'll wrap up with some closing thoughts on how people can contact you. Because the U.S. has quite a bit of diversity, we really feel that this opportunity to combine our international collaborations with domestic opportunities will allow us to get a better capture and appropriate assessment for the U.S. population, whether that's including different cultures, different populations from Asia, and enhancing the model here. This combination will be significantly different than what has been developed in China only for China where there is not as much, let's say, Caucasian diversity uh, into the Chinese population, just purely by sheer numbers. That, that would be awesome, right, because we have the diversity of the population. So how do people contact your company? Let's go through, you know, just uh, tell us uh, your contact information, the company's contact, and highlight a bit about key features of, of your program that you're converting to uh, address this pandemic. Yes, so you can reach me directly, Mark, M-A-R-K, at phenomics, P-H-E-N-O-M-X dot co, C-O. And the website is phenomics, P-H-E-N-O-M-X dot co. And we really are looking forward to collaborating with anybody that finds themselves in this situation to have access to patients and collect the appropriate data so that in the greater scheme of things, we can help facilitate earlier screening, detection, and diagnosis. And, you know, your core, that, that's a core, just restate the core uh, product that you're uh, focusing on this pandemic, which is the digital physical exam, correct? Uh, yes. So we are certainly looking forward to 
this specific scenario for COVID-19 and having the use case where CT can help fight the exponential increase in the pandemic. But in the broader scope, we would certainly like to utilize the MRI and the digital physical exam for many more conditions and diseases that are yet to come. Well, thank you for joining us. I learned a lot. Let's uh, work on getting these health system partners to the table to stop the spread of this uh, pandemic. That would be excellent. Thank you very much. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Doug. That will be the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank Mark Punyanita, co-founder and chief executive officer at Phenomics. Do follow Mark and Phenomics work on Twitter via at Mark Poon, that's M-A-R-K-P-U-N, and at Phenomics Inc., that's P-H-E-N-O-M-X-I-N-C, respectively. And for more information, go to www.phenomics.co. For This Week in Health Innovation, my colleague Douglas Goldstein, the eFuturist and Healthcare Now Radio, this is Greg Masters saying, bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.